Yeah, get here early. Praise the Lord. Young um, children, you're dismissed to Children's Church. Amen. You don't want to miss it tonight. They've been practicing real hard. and There's music and there's drama. There's a little bit of everything. So, Amen. Well, good morning. If you have your Bibles, if you would turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Spend our time together talking about earthly vessels and heavenly glory. Earthly vessels and heavenly glory. And may we be encouraged by these testimonial words by Paul. 2 Corinthians 4, beginning with verse number 6. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness. That's the original creation. Let there be light. Made His light shine in our hearts. That's the new creation. The same way He spoke into the darkness and said, let there be. He spoke into our darkened hearts for the gospel and said, let there be. Made His light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power, it's from God and it's not from us. Can you say amen? In fact, we're hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed at times, but we're never in despair. We're persecuted, hounded, but oh, we're not destroyed or abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. In fact, we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. Again, earthen vessels and heavenly glory. From the glory of the new creation, Paul moves to the humility of this clay vessel. The believer is simply this jar of clay, but it's the treasure within the vessel that gives the vessel its value. Christ in us, the hope of glory, the Bible says. Now this treasure, referring back to verse 6, this treasure is the presence of God Himself. What a wonderful thought that God would live within the heart of a man. The presence of God shining in the believer's earthly vessel, earthly tabernacle. God's Spirit is the treasure, a precious, priceless treasure And it's placed within you and I. It's placed within very temporal, very earthly and frail vessels. The presence and the power of God living, dwelling within you and I is a remarkable thing. It lives within us, transforming us and empowering us and flowing through us. In fact, we read Um, The other Sunday night, for example, 2 Corinthians 1, verses 21 and 22. 2 Corinthians 1, verses 21 and 22. Because again, we have this treasure, the presence of God, the Spirit of God within you and I. And we're very temporal, very earthly, very frail vessels. But we have the Holy Spirit of God that actually lives within us, working within us. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. We stand firm because, number one, God's anointed us. Isn't it wonderful? 
that God has anointed us as His people. And He set His seal of ownership upon us. What a beautiful thing. God set His seal upon us and His seal is, that one belongs to me. That one belongs to me. That one I purchased with my blood. That is my very own. His seal is upon us. And not only that, He put His Spirit in our hearts. Oh, what a thought. Treasure in an earthen vessel. His Spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. The greatest thing you've ever experienced in God is merely a down payment of what awaits you in glory. Just a deposit. You know what a deposit is. Just a little bit. The whole bunch is coming later. Amen? So we see we got a treasure in an earthen vessel. And this treasure within us fills us, but it transforms us. It empowers us. 2 Corinthians 5 gives us a glimpse of what this does within us. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if you're a Christian this morning, the Bible says because of the Spirit that came within you, you are now a new creation. The old has gone. Everything has become new. We have the dwelling and the deposit and it empowers us. It transforms us and it enables us. The treasure of God's presence dwelling within a weak, earthly, frail, human vessel. That's a little confusing, isn't it? But all oh, that's real. That's real. That's real. That's where we get confused sometimes. Amen? There's a mixture of the God and the Joe. And there's and true riches. Some people have a struggle understanding true riches. They fail to grasp true riches. I read the article the other day of a wealthy man that had passed on. And when the lawyer read his last will and testimony, he went something like this. To my dear darling wife, Esther, I leave the house, the 50 acres of land, your favorite Cadillac and $2 million. To my son Reggie, as he leave to you the hunting lodge that you like so much and all the land around it, the Porsche and one million dollars. To my dear daughter Susie, you always loved the water. So for you, it's the condo at the ocean along with the yacht and one million dollars. And last but not least, my brother-in-law Harry, who always preached to me how health is better than wealth, I leave to you my sun lamp. I'm not sure who had a grasp of true riches in that story, but it's in there. Paul says in verses 6 and 7, yeah, that's right. I'll take the hunting lodge, or the, I'll take the conduit. To, all right. When you, when you're blessed to be Italian, you don't need a sun lamp. We get good tans. Verses 6 and 7, Roman numeral 1. We possess a valuable truth. We're going to think about this. I hope this encourages someone today. Hope this helps someone to recognize some inconsistencies in your brother and sister today so you might be a little bit more compassionate. If you look around on all of us, there should be something on our backs that says under construction. Every one of us. Been saved a hundred years, still under construction. Been saved two hundred years, speaking in tongues a hundred years, still under construction. Until the day we see Jesus face to face. Amen. There's still more growth. There's still more maturity. Hope this will help encourage us personally, but also help us get along with one another corporately. Oh, glory be to God. We possess a valuable treasure. This tells us, number one, that we're the vessels. God is the enabler. We're the vessels of God. That's a wonderful thing. We're His temples. We're His instruments. We're the vessels that God lives in and God wants to live through. So let's make up our minds. We're going to be faithful vessels. We're going to be available. We're going to be clean vessels fit for the Master's use. That God can use you and I 
to spread this treasure throughout our world. We are the vessels. God is the enabler. God is the enabler. Therefore, God gets all the glory. We are humble in ourselves, yet we can be very confident in our God. We are humble in ourselves because we realize we're just a vessel. But we can be very boastful and praiseful and confident in the Lord because we know He enables us to live this life. He enables us to be the ones we're called to be. We give Him all the praise and the glory. We don't ever look at a beautiful piece of art and worship the paintbrush. We worship the painter or the artist. And all our praise and glory goes to God. We recognize the treasure is God. We're just the earthen vessel. So number one, we possess a valuable treasure. Recognize that you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. That you're a vessel that the Spirit of God dwells in and wants to flow through. Let us be instruments, holy, available, useful, ready for the Master to use us as He desires. But secondly, not only are we possess a valuable treasure, Paul writes here how we experience in this life both tribulation and triumph. It's a mixture. We can't escape. We can't just live on the mountaintop. We, we, we can't just be... It's, it's, and sometimes people get confused with that. And so again, looking at verses 8 and 9, Paul describes how the believer faces all kinds of difficult situations in this life. However, he has the great resource of God's power and God's presence within him to give him strength, to lift him up, to help him endure, and to keep him going. Here in our text, Paul is describing the Christian life. And what you notice, um, it's infirmity or weakness is intermingled with God's glory. There's both blessings and burdens in this Christian experience. There's a new nature that is enjoying a salvation, but it's in conflict with an old nature that has fallen and that resists the things of God. Again, verse 8 and 9, Paul reflects on the vulnerability of the believer on one hand and the power of God that sustains him and anoints him on the other hand. And here in our little couple of verses, Paul gives four contrasts. To show and testify that the earthly vessels, the earthly weakness doesn't defeat him, but actually gives way for the working of God's power to sustain him. This is where Paul, later on in this book, he hears God say, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you because God says, Paul, my power is made perfect or it flows out of your weakness. He says, Paul, your weakness doesn't cancel out my power. Your weakness actually releases the working of my power. Because that's how we were made. He found out that when human resources are exhausted, God's resources are available and more than adequate for every occasion. We have a treasure in an earthen vessel. Dr. Tony Evans writes, the blessing in the Bible is not an offer of cotton candy. Happiness, cotton candy, he says, is plenty sweet, but it doesn't last. When you put it in your mouth, it melts soon afterwards. The longevity is short-lived. And the kingdoms of this world offer cotton candy. It's real sweet, but it doesn't, don't expect it to last that long. Blessing in the Bible, on the other hand, has to do with resources deposited on the inside. that can override circumstances on the outside. And this is what Paul is pointing us to. Think of the four examples Paul gives. As we walk through this life, as we face various things, 
recognizing I possess a valuable treasure. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in me. I can say with complete confidence, greater is He that's within me than He that's in the world. But yet I have to be honest and recognize there is a frailty in this humanness. There is a weakness in this humanness. There are areas of struggle and there are areas of strain. And it's not one or the other. It's both of these things that are being mixed and it can become frustrating for the individual. It can seem confusing for the person watching. But all that we would recognize was going on in this Christian experience. So we can yield to the power of God and, and not be overly condemned and, and discouraged and given up by the weaknesses of the frailty, but keep looking to Jesus and trusting in Jesus. And regardless of what happens, we keep walking forward in Jesus, knowing that one glad morning we will cross the finish line. One glad morning we will strip off this old weakness and this old condemned nature and we'll see Him face to face and never have to worry again. Can you say Amen. Let's look at this together. Paul writes, number one, verse eight, we are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. Our point says, pressed on every side, but not hemmed in. Pressured, but not crushed. Not defeated. Not subdued by it. Because God makes a way, and God brings us through. That word crushed, it means constrained. It doesn't mean pulverized. It means constrained into a narrow place where there's no escape, where you're feeling tied up and bound. Paul says, despite that pressure, I'm not crushed by it. I'm not controlled, contained, arrested by it. I'm not defeated or overwhelmed by it. Hard-pressed on every side. I'm in some tight places, but I'm not crushed by them. Because we do go through times when there's all kinds of pressure within us. A tight place in life. Have you ever been there? Someone says, I've been there right now. Well, you're in the right service. Amen. Um, we, we, we never, but we never as a believer, Paul says, we're never in so tight a corner. We're never in so tight a place that there's no way out. Because the God we serve makes a way even when there seems to be no way. He is the way maker for His people. The child of God experiences His share of trials and troubles in this life. And sometimes the pressure gets so heavy, it feels like it's crushing. It's just weighing us down. It's beyond what we can bear. But that's when our God steps in. That's when our God makes a way. That's when our God gives us more grace. And you can depend on it. In our weakness, He's still strong. In our confusion, He still knows the end from the beginning. In our greatest struggle, He is still there. He is still vibrant. And He is still willing to work in us and through us as we look to Him and lean on Him and yield in Him. There's our God that steps in. God has a way out when the weight gets heavy and there doesn't seem like there's a door open for us to walk through. There is a way of escape for the child of God. There is a power to endure. There is a grace that enables us to stand under it. And it comes from this glorious treasure within. The Spirit of God that dwells within. That gives me strength to rise up when I've fallen. That gives me be grace to keep walking when I seem afraid. Oh, the presence of God within the human vessel, that enabling power, that sustaining power, it abides in you, it abides in me. We praise Him for it. Paul says, I'm hard-pressed on every side, but I'm not crushed. We see examples throughout the Word of God. Throughout the Word of God. We think about Abraham as he's on Mount Moriah. No way out. And just in time, God provides. 
We see the nation of Israel chased by Pharaoh in a tight place, in a place where there's no way out. Just in the right time, God opens a sea and makes a way where there seems to be no way. We see today for the believer that though we might be in tight places, we might be in places where we realize there's no hope, there is no answer. The Bible says there has never been a trial or temptation that will come our way that God will not make a way of escape so we can bear it and we can stand up under it. So I walk with Paul and I recognize sometimes I'm pressed in this world. I have some pressure on my life. Sometimes it seems like there's no way out and I'm not really sure which way to go. But in that time, my God steps in. In that time, the grace of His strength kicks in. In that time, God opens the door that I didn't even see was there. At that time, before it's too late, the answer comes. The grace prevails. The mercy unfolds. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Paul says, I'm hard-pressed on every side, but I don't have to give up my arms in despair. I don't have to turn back to the world and give up this Christian experience because I can go through pressure. I can go through situations that are hard and perplexing, but I know that I know He that began a good work in me. He's promised to complete it. He's promised to fulfill it. I didn't save myself and I can't keep myself. He that saved me will keep me and He'll never bail on Can you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. What a glorious treasure. What a great gift we have. Merry Christmas. God said, I'll come and live within you. God said, if you'll call on me, I'll answer you. God said, if you'll surrender to me, I'll dwell within me. I'll make you a new man. I'll make you a new woman. Merry Christmas. Jesus has come. Hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. At wit's end, but never at hope's end. My Lord, have mercy. At wit's end. Never at hope's end. Whew. That's verse 8. Look at that. Look at that verse. Perplexed, but not in despair. Have you ever been perplexed? Some of y'all look at... No, I mean, I'm just... I'm going to put my glasses back on. Amen. At wit's end. But never at hope's end. Perplexed but not in despair. At the brink of defeat, but not defeated. This is not over yet if you belong to Jesus. Times are when the believer doesn't know why this happened or what should be done or how to respond. Perplexed. That means confused. At a loss. Not in despair. Despair means without hope. Not giving up. I still have my hope and I still have my choice to trust God. I don't have to understand God to trust God. And regardless of what happens to me, no one can take away my will that can make a decision. I choose to trust God. I choose to trust Him when I can't understand Him. I choose to trust Him when I can't hear Him. I choose to trust Him. When it's dark all around me and it's so greatly painful within me. But I choose to trust Him. Who I know is faithful. I know is loving. I know is kind. Oh, at wit's end, but never at hope's end. Perplexed, but not in despair. It's that choice of trusting God. And our trust says, I don't know why, but I know who. I know who will stick with me when others leave. I know who will lead me even in the darkness surrounds me. I know the one that can take my crooked 
walk and make it straight. I know Him who sticks by me at all times like a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I know the One that never fails or forsakes His own. Yes, yes, there are times when the Christian doesn't know what is to be done. But even then, he never doubts something can be done. He might not be sure the path it's taking him and where he's going, but he's absolutely sure who's walking with him along that path. And that's wonderful, Jesus. At wit's end, but never at hope's end. See, our hope in Christ, the Bible says, is like an anchor to the soul. The anchor is what keeps that ship from drifting off course, from crashing into the rocks and ultimately sinking in the depths. In our hope in Jesus will do for us what nothing else can do. We thank God for our brothers and sisters that support us. We need that. We thank God for that. We thank God for friends that pray for us. We need that. We thank God for that. But there is a place where all those things can be no more. But you can be as alone as alone can be and still have within your heart that hope in Christ that you will see Him face to face. And the One that died for you is the One that will take you all the way home. And you'll see Him. And you'll have victory over that circumstance. There's something about having a hope. A hope in Christ. Think about Job. Job went through it. The loss, the sorrow, the suffering, the tears, the confusion. Yet he had hope. He was able to say, this God, I don't know what's happening, but He knows the way I take. And I know that one day I'll see God. I know my Redeemer lives. And no, I don't understand the journey I'm going through. See, it's our hope in God that keeps us when nothing else will. It's that hope in Christ that holds like an anchor that will never let us go. Job went through it, yet he had hope. We think of Paul in the prison, forgotten by others, yet he had hope. He said, I know him whom I have believed in. We think of David and the others that went through times of, uh, uh, of treachery and defeat and frustration where they were attacked, they were falsely accused, where people pointed the finger, where situations looked hopeless, yet they still had hope that the God they served would prevail in the end. The God they served would bring them through and carry them if they couldn't walk the next step. We have a hope in God. And that hope is what keeps us when nothing else will. We can be perplexed at times. And there are three times we say, why, Lord? How come, Lord? There are times we're perplexed. We don't understand what we're seeing, what we're hearing, what we're feeling, what we're facing. But we never have to be in despair. Because we never have to be without our firm hope in our God. A hope that keeps us looking and trusting in leaning on Jesus. A hope that says in the end, I will see Him face to face. A hope that will never allow us to quit, to turn back, or turn aside. But a hope that in the end will prevail over every trial and every sorrow and every situation life throws at us. Can you say amen? It's important. Don't quit. Don't quit. Tell your neighbor, don't quit. Don't you dare quit. Come too far to quit. Come too far. Keep pressing. I always get a good laugh at a story of the father that was trying to encourage his boy not to be a quitter. Trying to encourage his son. Don't quit so easy, son. It's a bad habit. It's a bad trait to develop. Don't give up. Learn to press in. Bad habit to quit. Terrible habit. Learn to persevere. Learn to have some fight in you. Got to have some fight in you if you're going to make it. Have some tenacity. 
If you're not tenacious, life will knock you down. You won't get, you gotta get up, gotta get up, gotta get up. Well, the father trying to encourage the boy, learn this wonderful lesson in life. Son, you gotta hang in there and not quit. It's the only way you're gonna make it. Began to give him some examples in life. So for instance, look at Abraham Lincoln. He failed so many times, but in the end, he was the one. He was the one. He was the one. He didn't quit. Remember Thomas Edison's son. How many experiments failed? But finally, we got the light bulb because he didn't quit. And he went on. Churchill and Washington, the odds were against them. They had suffered failure. They would suffered disgrace. But they didn't give up. And in the end, how they were used. So remember, old Jeremiah McGillicuddy. The boy said, what, Dad? What? I, I, I didn't hear him. He goes, that's because he quit, son. See, quitters are forgotten because quitters fail by forfeit. Quitters are forgotten because quitters fail by forfeit. But if you don't quit, you can't lose when it comes to serving Jesus. If you don't quit, you can't lose. Just let that situation make you go a little deeper and mature a little farther. Let it make you stronger, not weaker. Learn to take the blow and keep on pressing on. Life is full of heartache and hurt. But oh, there's something about the person that won't give up. They get knocked down, they get back up. They keep believing, they keep trusting God. Oh, don't quit, don't quit, don't quit. Paul tells us we have a treasure, but it's in an earthen vessel. And this earthen vessel is frail and weak, it makes mistakes. It gets beat up on, it gets buffeted. But there's something within it urging it on. There's a Spirit of God that says don't give up. There's a Holy Spirit that keeps walking forward and wanting to get up when you want to give up. God's own presence, God's own Spirit that sustains me and strengthens me as I walk through a very real life. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Pressed on every side but not hemmed in. We're not crushed by it. We're not controlled by life as our God will make a way for His people. Jesus said, the Lord is my shepherd. We shall not want... He'll lead me in paths of right. He'll lead me in the path. He'll make a way for me. Even when I seem confused and don't know which way to go. I'm at wit's end, but I'm never at hope's end. I don't have to despair no matter what happens, because I have my hope in God. This world is not my home. There is a real place called heaven, so I can go through the worst things that this life has to offer. But I have a hope. This is not the end. This is not the end of the story. I'm going to a better place. I'm going to an eternal place. I'm going where the roses never fade and the streets are made of purest gold. I'm going to a place there'll be no more heartache. There'll be no more shame. I'm going to that place so I have that hope and it can't be taken from my life. He says, number three, I'm persecuted by men at times, but I'm never abandoned by God. Men will abandon you. Jesus will never abandon you. Look at verse 9. Look at verse 9. He says, persecuted, but not abandoned. Persecuted. That word persecuted literally means pursued. Hounded. Hunted. I know Psalm 23 says, surely goodness and mercy follow me. Sometimes it seems like other stuff follows us too. Isn't that right? Ajita, heartache, problems. And anyone living in a real world, anybody, you say amen in church. Go ahead. You don't have to lie in church. Go ahead and say amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If that wasn't true, you wouldn't have so many prayer requests every time I asked for prayer. My Lord, have mercy. Some of y'all have five hands. Oh, Lord, have, all right. Anyway, another sermon another day. Persecuted. Paul says, you know, you can be God's servant walking in God's will, still being pursued. Still being hounded. By the things of this world, they want to trip you up and defeat you and discourage you. He says, but despite of that, 
Paul was never forsaken or deserted or abandoned by God. His Lord never left him to face an impossible situation alone. I want you to know that through thick and thin, Jesus stands by His people and He'll stand by you. Through thick and thin, others might abandon you. Jesus will never abandon you. Through thick and thin, Jesus is committed to stand by His own and He'll stand by you. You can take that to the bank. The companionship of Christ. Oh, what a treasure. What a privilege. What a pleasure we have. The companionship of Jesus Himself. His abiding presence. His sustaining power will never fail or forsake His people. Will never fail or forsake His faithful ones. Our God is loyal. Our God is dependable. Our God is faithful. You can be abandoned by men. You'll never be abandoned by God. I think of Paul when he's in that jail. He's waiting for his execution. And he writes, 2 Timothy 4, he says, At my first defense, nobody stood with me. All forsook me, but the Lord stood by my side and gave me strength. I want you to know, Jesus will always stand by your side and He'll always be there to lean on and receive strength from. There are times they can't get there. They live in California. There are times they just forgot you because that's the way life is. But you'll never go through a trial, a courtroom, and operating. You'll never face anything where you have to face it alone if you belong to Jesus. He will stand by your side and He'll say, here I am. Give me that burden. Give me that pain and just entrust this thing to me. I'll be your advocate when you need that. I'll be your healer when you need that. I'll be the one that knows how to reach into the brokenness of your inner man and put a soothing oil that mends and begins to minister to you. He's still a wounded heart healer. Blessed be His name. And He'll stand by your side when no one else can or no one else will. We think of good old Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because they stood for what was right. They had to get thrown into the fiery trial. I've got good news for someone. There is a Jesus that never abandons His own when others run away when things get hot. Not Jesus. He says, I'll draw closer to you than I've ever been before. When you go through the fire, He says, I'll go with you through it. Somebody, you might be facing something. Don't get defeated by the ones who didn't call you and frustrated by the ones that didn't write your card. Just remember, the Lord great and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle is with you and He loves you and He's there for you and He's going to bring you through. You're coming through. You're coming through. The devil is a liar. He walked out out on you, but God's bringing you through. The doctor gave a bad report, but God's bringing you through. Your own children curse you, but God is bringing you through. Somebody shout amen. I'm talking about being a child of God, being blessed. We have a treasure. It's in an earthen vessel. And life wants to buffet us. And life's trying to deny us. And life's trying to defeat us. But there's something greater than us that's within us. That same 
Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, it's made its home in our hearts. And it gives us a strength. And it gives us a grace. And sometimes we want to say, oh, forget it. But something in us says, I can't forget it. Sometimes we want to throw things away. I've had enough. I'm in frustration. But something in us says, no, no, no. It's too soon to quit. Stand up and try one more time. Stand up and pray one more time. Stand up and give God a praise one more time. Hallelujah. Glory. Yeah. 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 No, you didn't. No. You didn't come to First Methodist this morning. No, you didn't go there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My God. My God. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. Rise up and face that thing. Don't quit. Get knocked down. Get back up. Don't quit. Press into God. Press into God. Press into God. Press into God. Oh, Rasha Tonda Lahisa. Glory. What's that next one? We got another one. My Lord, my Lord. First, oh, knocked down, but never knocked out. Got to have bounce back ability. Amen. Got to bounce back. Struck down, but not destroyed. Hallelujah. Oh, it's all in the book, isn't it? Struck down, but not destroyed. Thinking about that old toy, weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. I thought about it, then I said, you know, but I'm not a weeble. Older I get, I might be looking more like one, but I'm not a weeble. I'm not a weeble. I wish I was a weeble, they just get up. You know, they can't go down, they just get up. I'm not a weeble. Men fall down. What do you do when you fall down? You get back up. Paul was stoned and left for dead. He got back up, went on preaching that gospel, because that's what God called him to do. Peter fell down. He denied the Lord. But then he got back up. He got it under the blood. He got forgiveness. And he went back on serving God faithfully. And the Lord applauded him. David fell. It was a terrible sin. It was an embarrassing sin. It was a horrible sin. But he wept his bitter tears. He repented. He sought God for forgiveness. And he got back up and went on and lived his life as God forgives even terrible sins. Joseph got knocked down by his own brothers and his own betrayals. But he didn't stay down. His life knocked you down. Sometimes it's not your fault, but you it's your fault if you stay down. It might not be your fault because it's what someone did to you, but it's your fault if you let it kill you. Get back up. Get back up. Get back up. Rise back up. Give it another try. Get back in there and say, Lord, I'm going to seek You. Lord, I'm going to serve You. And His grace will be sufficient for you. Moses, he tried to do things his own way. He messed up, tossed him 40 years in a desert. He wanted to give up. He wanted to forsake God and everything. But he got back up and got back in and God used him in a great way. Paul may have been knocked down, but he wasn't knocked out. He triumphed not by throwing in the towel or running away and making excuses, but by rising again and pressing on with God. Knocked down, but never knocked out. This is something in us that can't be knocked down. Something in us that won't stay down. Oh, there was something in Paul, something in the believer that urges us on, that prompts us to keep going, that says even though you want to give up, you can't give up. Oh, glory be to God. Someone says, how many times do I got to keep getting up? How many times? As many times as it takes till you see Jesus face to face. 
William Barclay, wonderful writer, said, The supreme characteristic of the Christian is not that he does not fall, but that every time he falls, he rises again. It's not that he's never beaten, but he is never ultimately defeated. He may lose a battle, but he knows that in the end, he'll never lose the war. Hallelujah. Earthen vessels. Earthen vessels. Heavenly glory. We possess a valuable treasure. But in this life, we go through both tribulation and trial. Let us be determined to fulfill our call and to finish faithful in the faith. Can you say amen? We're going to close and open the altar, sing our last song, have our last prayer. If you're here today and your heart's not right with God, don't go through the trappings of religion with this holiday season being deceived. Make things right with God. If you've never received Jesus as your Savior, receive Him. Come and let Him be your Lord. Let Him cleanse you. Let Him forgive you. Let Him dwell within you. Maybe you're here today and you got knocked down and you haven't gotten back up. You've been wallowing in the frustration, in the disappointment. And you're hearing the Holy Spirit say, yeah, that's been me inside. You're urging you. Get back up. Throw it aside. Keep pressing on. There's going to be a better day. Victory is at the end of that road. So if you're here today and need to make a fresh devotion, fresh altar, don't leave before you do. Let a new beginning begin. Let a fresh feeling come. If you'd like just to come and pray, or you'd like to come and receive prayer as we open the altar, come. Let God touch you. Let God fill you. want to spend some time just giving God praise. Let's give God praise for the treasure that we have the privilege of possessing as mere human beings. That all that spirit would dwell within us, loving us, teaching us, strengthening us, keeping us. Can you say amen? amen? Stand with me, please. Stand with me, please. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we love you so much. We thank you, Lord, for this encouraging handful of scriptures, these encouraging words from Paul. As we confess, Lord, sometimes. We feel the treasure and sometimes we feel that earthen vessel. And it can be confusing at times. Well, Lord, we recognize that in this part of the journey, we deal with both. They're intermingled. So we refuse to give up. We refuse to stay down. But we will continue to love you and serve you and trust you. And have a firm, unwavering hope in you. For that hope will not disappoint us. Thank you, Lord. For taking up residence within us. We thank you for the treasure of your presence. And we praise you for that. We ask you, Lord, to help us. Be faithful, usable, clean vessels that you can use in this present hour 
Vessels that you can flow through and talk through and touch through. I want to thank You, Lord, that whatever we face by Your power within, we can face it. We can overcome it. We can endure it. Now, Lord, there might be some people here that are weary. Lord, as they just look to You and praise You, as they call on Your name, would You strengthen them? Might be some that are discouraged, Lord. Various reasons. But Lord, as they look to you, would you just refuel that hope within and let your peace just abide in a stronger measure? Lord, I ask you to touch us. Speak to us. As we draw near, O God, by the power of your Spirit, minister, your perfect way to your people. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, let's praise Him. Let's seek Him. It's early. Give God some time to fill you and to speak to you and to help you and to draw near. If you need to make things right, don't put it off. Come and let God do something beautiful in your life.